Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you will become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. Today on the show, we wanted to bring you some topics that have surfaced recently and most likely will impact many of you financially. We thought it'd be important to bring up, specifically the Student Loan Forgiveness Act. There's a lot to dig into here, so let's get to it. This is the Fit CFO Show. What is up, everyone? Amanda here with Fit CFO on the Fit CFO Show. Howdy. It is Sean. We're here. here with Sean. I've been absolutely so busy. It's been, we've been busy on so many different aspects of life, but it's been amazing. Fit CFO has been super busy, which is, we are so blessed to have so many new people coming on board um, to be busy in that way, bringing on new team members. It's been a blessing. It's been amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the summers just flown by and, and football season's here and it's kind of, I mean, it's my favorite time of the year. So I absolutely love it. Football, football season. season. We have a, season. we have a high schooler playing varsity football now. So it's extra Friday night lights are extra fun for us right now. I'm rocking the mom button, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the button. The that I swore I'd never have, and I oh, embarrasses the embarrasses the shit out of the kids. It's so funny. I'm pretty sure he tried to not have me get one, but I ended up getting one. Yeah. Anyway. I actually personally emailed the photographer to make sure. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do the mom thing. That's yeah. totally cool. Well, you're getting ready to leave on your hunting hiatus. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing like this season, I say it's my favorite is September is kind of my time to um, detach a little bit and recharge. And I go out to the mountains and spend, um, I don't know, several weeks, three weeks. My goal is to spend the whole month of September, but haven't been able to make that quite happen yet. But it's an absolutely uh, amazing time going to backcountry and kind of get away from technology and business for a while. And Honestly, there's a lot of cool things that happen. You know, I come back recharged and usually come back with some good vision and, and it's just an amazing experience. That's how I feel after climbing 14ers. When I come back from Colorado, like it sucks, it's hard work, but you come Mm. back and it's just such a different, different type of hard work. It's, it's physical, it's, it's mental, but it's, it's refreshing and recharging. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully this year I come home with an elk. So we'll see if that happens. I'm definitely seven years, seven years or so. Um, I've definitely paid my dues, blood, sweat, and tears. And now it's we need to throw you under the bus on that one. <laughs> Thanks. Well, the he first was couple not supposed years. to come home last year without an elk, and he came home anyway. <laughs> uh, the first couple of years was just me out wandering in the woods, and about <laughs> each year getting better and better and <laughs> closer and closer. That's hilarious. The worst is when like people go to Estes Park and like elk are eating out of their hands. They're like, "What do you mean you've been hunting for seven years? Do you even go hunting?" <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> well, today on the show, we wanted to bring you some big topics that have surfaced. There, there was really no way to segue from elk eating out of your hand into this next topic. So yeah. I'm just going for I, it. Go do it. But 
there have been some things recently that have surfaced and I really think it'll impact many of you financially. So we thought it would be really important to bring it up. And what we are talking about specifically is the Student Loan Forgiveness Act. There's a lot to dig into here. We wanted to bring you, you know, the facts, the good, the bad, and everything that we can bring you on this topic, because again, you know, everybody out there is going to talk about it, but they're not going to give you a lot of the facts, the underlying things that you need to know. And so we just love to bring that information to you so you can generate your own opinion and have some knowledge around it. Absolutely. Um, well, this is, this is a neat um, topic and it's going to benefit others and it's going to piss off others and yeah. it just can't make everybody happy. There's always like, it seems like it's another one of those topics that has like divided the nation. Um, but I'm going to, I have a series of questions that out of not only my own curiosity, but curiosity in the space that I think a lot of you guys have questions around that I wanted to ask Sean about. And so I'm just going to go ahead and get into it and let Sean just kind of be the, you know, the, the expert that kind of answers these questions. So first of all, I'm curious, is this a good economic policy? You know, why are they doing this? Is it just a political stunt for reelection? Mm. You know, let's get into that. Yeah. Now this has been a, around for a while. I mean, it was a, a part of Biden's policy when he was uh, um, going to be elected. So it's been, in the news for quite some time. I mean, it was originally talking a lot bigger numbers, like $50,000 of mm-hmm. forgiveness. And um, it's uh, about every year it's came up. And now finally this fall, it's coming to fruition. Um, I feel like it's coming to come into a head now is trying to keep us out of a major, re- major recession. Yeah. Which year and you're, you know, emphasizing the word major as we major. know here in a recession. However, this may help us from being in a yes. big, big recession. I feel like it's another tool in the government's tool belt um, that they're going to pull out to try to keep us out of that major recession and get us moving and keep us moving forward and keeping the economy hot. Um, do I think it necessarily fixes the college debt crisis that we have going on? Probably not. But there are a few things in the policy itself that they're trying to do. If it gets implemented, may help. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the government has used tools like this. Like in the past, it was like stimulus money. Yeah, they came out, um, which you know was helpful for keeping the economy going. Now, I mean, obviously it's increased stats, but, and then another thing that the government was able, they had a, a tool um, keeping interest rates low. And that was able to keep the economy going. So now the interest rates have gone up and now the inflation spiked. They, in my opinion, by doing some debt elimination, it's their way of eliminating um, monthly obligations for some consumers, which that monthly obligation um, is, you know, could be two, three hundred dollars of student loan payments that borrowers are no longer going to have to. Yeah, it's going to can be re-injected back into the economy. You hit the nail on top of the head. Yeah. So if they, what they're going to do is they're not going to spend the money on the student loan payment anymore, mm-hmm. but now they're going to take that money and they're going to buy consumer goods, um, mm-hmm. go out to restaurants, go out and eat. So yeah. even though we're running higher inflation, higher interest rates, if if the consumer sentiment, sentiment is good and how they feel and if they spend money, 
um, we could keep this economy rolling and maybe come out. How will this affect inflation or rates? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like it, at the end of the day, it's going to result in the government spending more money. So definitely could impact and increase inflation or increase taxes down the road. It, that definitely could happen because this is a $500 billion um, policy that's coming into place. It's like a $500 billion IOU that they're just forgiving because um, basically this is student debt that we borrowed out to consumers expecting to get paid back. So it's on our balance sheet. Mm. And and so we're right, essentially just writing sheet, it off. We're writing it off. Uh, now it's up to, they were talking like 500 billion. Now um, they're talking that there's going to be like 25% of the individuals that could qualify for it that won't apply or don't get the information they need. Sure. So it's probably only going to be like a $300 billion. And I say only, I mean, 300 uh, with a B is, is a big number, right? But it's not 500. Yeah. I mean, I think overall student loan debt's like 1.6 trillion. So it may get it down to 1.2, 1, you know, 1.3 um, trillion dollars. Um, so yes, uh, the money with the, you know, the government was definitely counting on this money. So what we could see is, like I said, higher taxes, higher inflation, or what would happen is the government could cut spending in other areas. But it's also going to be future forward, meaning like currently we're in a recession, we're trying to prevent a heavy recession. Mm -hmm. And when we see inflation from this offsetting of the balance sheet, it's going to be in the future, most likely when we're not in a recession. Yeah. So maybe a, another Band-Aid is what sure. I'm kind of getting at of just like the stimulus money, just like other programs. Don't necessarily know if it's going to fix the college debt crisis that we have going on, but it's going to keep the economy moving forward. How are they figuring who is getting these funds? What do we need to yeah. do about that? They wanted to gear it towards the lower income individuals and and i'm i understand what they're going at is because what has happened is with college inflation increasing and um wage like the wages themselves are not and have not increased at the same inflation rate so it's really hard for lower income individuals to be making these payments as a higher percentage of their overall income so what the government had, had um proposed in this is Individuals making under one hundred twenty-five thousand will qualify, or if you're married, under two hundred fifty thousand. So the high wage earners will not qualify for the forgiveness, and that's going to affect. It's going to affect millions of people. Um, what did I read? I think it was like forty-three million federal student loan borrowers will be affected by this, and about ninety-five percent of all borrow borrowers will benefit. Um, so. Majority of people are going to qualify for this. Um, one one other statistic I thought was kind of neat: uh, twenty million borrowers altogether debt will be eliminated. So you got twenty million individuals out there that will now will now no longer have college debt. Wow, that's a lot of people. And then that's also a lot of people. That's also a lot of dollars that'll be reinjected back into our economy that mm -hmm. they aren't having to put towards student loan debt. And I think that's where a lot of people are missing is the benefit from this is, yeah, yeah I mean, the, the snowball is, effect, I mean, it's, it's restaurants not having to let go of, of wait staff. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just money into the economy. You know, like you and I like to think, okay, Hey, of the, 
two, three hundred dollars or whatever you're saving on your student loans, we'd love for you to, you know, build up your emergency reserves, <laughs> right. save some money. But we know how happens. it we know how it really works. Yep. The majority of it'll get spent as disposable income. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, I want to also mention that if you qualified and took out a Pell Grant back in the day, um, you can also get up to ten thousand dollars of that Pell Grant eliminated. So overall, if you're under the income limits, you could get up to twenty thousand dollars of debt forgiven. Yeah. And so just to reiterate, you said those who qualify earn under $125,000 of annual income, and that's for singles or $250,000 for married couples. And that's, that's pretty significant wage for the majority of Americans. And so, so that's going to be a lot of people, like you said, it's going to amount to about 20 million borrowers. So that's really good. Now, um, it has been proposed that it's going to be going off of 2020 or 2021 income or adjusted gross income. Now, it sounds like you just have to meet of one of those years. So if you had COVID happen and you had a low year in 2020 and you met sure. that qualification period, that's it. No matter if 2022 or 2021, you, you were, were laid off or say that you were self-employed yep. and income was down. Yep. Yeah. So that's going to be uh, impact and, and benefit a lot of individuals. And then yep. also it's proposed that parent plus loans um, are going to also qualify for that. So need to look into this a little bit further. And I don't want to speak directly to everything here. It's just what is proposed, you know, the final bill is just coming out. So some of this is could change, but I need to get the, we need to get this information out to people. Yeah. So they I noticed that you keep saying it's proposed that, which tells me that, it's not finalized, but here's what we know at this point. So, so what about the individuals who are like, this is BS. I've already paid off mine. This isn't fair. Why should I have to pay for somebody who can't afford their debt? What about the people that have you know, that mentality around this mm-hmm. whole student loan forgiveness situation? Yeah. I mean... I think we um, was able to pay off yours three or four years ago. Mine, we just recently paid off, but like. So like we're literally in the same boat. We get it. We just paid off ours too. So. (laughs) (laughs) So we could definitely stand with you on this and, and, you know, and at the end of the day, it's going to be our tax dollars that pay these programs back. So we're as frustrated as everybody else. Um, And we're definitely not encouraging individuals to go take out debt that they can't afford. You know, we just want to bring the facts and share the information of how this will possibly affect you or if you qualify so you can take advantage of the program. And not only that, but how how it impacts the economy as a whole. I think if we're just always, you know, uh, what about me, 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 and that's how we just constantly live we're not looking out for the well-being of our economy as a whole. And therefore that's going to affect the next generation that is, you know, that we're raising up as well. And I would, you know, challenge others and ask like, how is this any different than other policies such as PPP or right. TIF funding that businesses may not have needed, but they yeah. took advantage of them anyway. So it's the yeah, same have, concept. Yeah. Absolutely. You have people living in million dollar mansions that are taking advantage of TIF funding for their business ventures or PPP for their, you know, other. Not um, any different. It's not any different, right? It's just a different avenue. It's a different vehicle to take advantage of um, the programs that the government has out there. So, and, and the government's offering. And so it's not like taking advantage of the government, it's just taking advantage <laughs> of the opportunity that you have. Taking advantage of the programs. Yep. Yep, yep. And, and, I, and I mentioned I mentioned this earlier for those that under don't understand it's it's different now 
than our generation and the generations before us paying back the student loan debt. As I, I talked about, like, covering the debt when I was entering the career field, like my education and payments was a lot lower percentage of our overall income versus what it is now. So like when people graduate now, they're graduating with a lot higher debt levels and not getting much higher wages in return. So it's a lot higher percentage of their overall income. And that's what's causing this pain point. Yeah. So I, I would have to just say it's just different. And then if you didn't get a job with a much higher paying job, but college is double or triple, can you can see um, what everybody's, you know, walls, you know, that you can see what everybody's up against right now. And that's um, having disposable income to obviously buy homes and spend money. So I think it's um, not a perfect solution. And I don't think these individuals went to college thinking that they're, debt was going to be forgiven and did it purposely. Like, it's just one of those things that we got a problem. Right. It's not like they took out the loan in April because, you know, this act yeah. is going to come out in September. So let's get it going. Yeah. So the individuals themselves, we can't necessarily blame now. Right. Yeah. Right. We can talk about the government in general and, and, and is this going to fix the problem and is it bad policy? I mean, that's debatable. And I think we've kind of um, laid up a few th items there that, you know, not only that, but if you qualify and it's out and it's available, why would yeah. you not take advantage? Are you going to be like, oh, no, thank you. I'm, I don't believe in this. So I'm not going to take advantage. I'm not going to take my 10,000. Will this be taxed? Will this be like, you know, considered taxable income in any way? Yeah, that's a very good question. So what it's looking like is federally, no, it will not be taxable. You know, typically, if you have a debt forgiven, it's going to be tax taxable at the federal level. But the student loan forgiveness is no. Um, and then it's you. You need to look out for this because it's going to depend on the state itself if it's taxed at the state level. Majority of the states, it will not be taxed. Um, I think I heard there was about thirteen states out the out there that might potentially tax the forgiveness amount. So we we'll just have to be um, keep an eye on that and see where it goes. Yep. So federally, no state driven, possibly you'll just have to, um, you know, make sure you are aware of that information in your designated state. Yeah. So where can people go or what do we need to do for individuals who currently have a student loan debt and they may meet the requirements for this um, repayment? Over the next couple months, the Department of Education is going to be issuing applications. So you definitely want to make sure of whatever platform you have your federal student loan on that you've updated your address, you've updated your email, updated phone number. So they have a way to get a hold of you when these applications do come out. And you don't want to miss out. Um, so like I said, I think it was projected that 25% of the people is going to that could qualify that will miss out because they're not informed or they just don't know where or how to apply. Um, I, I read somewhere that 20% of the people out there will automatically be enrolled in this. And I think that are, um, that would be the, the group of people that are already like in an income-based repayment plan. So um, you just may, just may automatically happen for you, but don't rely on that. Yeah. My recommendation is to go ahead and still apply for forgiveness. Yeah. You don't want to wait until it's too late and be like, what? Nobody ever, yeah. you know, signed me up for this. It's not my fault. Like be your own advocate. 
take yes you have to yeah so it sounds like early october applications will be out and the forgiveness should get done in like four to six weeks so we could be looking at november december this could be all wrapped up wow that's pretty quick turnaround for something like this yeah we'll see if that all happens but that's (laughs) we'll see Uh, I guess don't miss out on it. Um, You're informed now that it's coming out. Let's keep an eye on it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about putting a bandaid over something huge, the student loan crisis, for example. Mm -hmm. Why make student loans disappear if we have no plan? I mean, it's, it's it's like putting somebody on medication for heart disease, but not changing the lifestyle that they're living, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So why do this if we're not going to change the way we approach higher education? Yeah. Now I can say I'm excited in the in the bill. Um, they're talking about holding institutions accountable. So when I say institutions, like the college is accountable and they're going to make a watch list of, okay, what are, what are the rates are? What are they increasing? Like the, the intuition rates, right? And then a comparison of what is the debt levels of graduates in comparison of like placement rates, like how many of them are actually getting jobs after they graduate from their institutions? And what is the starting wages of, I mean, is everybody graduating with a shit ton of debt and get minimum wage? That's probably going to be a problem. So supposedly there's going to be a watch list. Who knows how it's going to be enforced, but they're going to try to hold the, the, the institutions accountable going forward. That's phenomenal. And like, what about like the lending institutions? You know, the, the lending themselves, they won't, I mean, I wouldn't see the, any impact there as far as they're uh, going to be charging the going rates for like interest rate wise. And that's not really, that's still, not really where the problem still be, stems. Yeah. They'll still be lending money. And, and, and then you could say that maybe where the problem stems is, you know, it's easy access to the, the federal funds, easy access to private funds to get college loans. So could be a part of the equation, but it's kind of a different subject or a different whole different like podcast we could have on that. Yeah. Well, and I want to kind of, I know this is a minor rabbit hole here, but I can't tell you how many people, myself included, go into college. Like I went to college to be a music major for God's sakes. And Mm I, I have, I switched career paths a couple of times and now I have my degree in interior design and (laughs) I am a marketer for a financial firm. Right. So like, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's also like, I don't know where we got so big on higher education. I understand like opportunity and it's America and there's, there's so much opportunity out there that exists. And then that's true. However, I just think there is so much, um, emphasis on higher education and got to figure out what you want to do. Like when you're Mm -hmm. 17 years old, I think it honestly needs to come from that Avenue a little bit too. (laughs) I mean, there's just so many successful entrepreneurs, so many successful individuals that I know that have never gone to college and never had any student. I am such a believer that if you are, if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be an Mm -hmm. educator, if you're going to be an attorney, if you're going to be a specific Yes. I mean, in a specific career path where your career path is absolutely required to have a higher education or a specific education, you absolutely need to go down that route. 
Yeah. But if you're like, mm, I'm not real sure. Yeah. You know? And if you're like Sean, I had no idea. General business. Well, what the mm-hmm. fuck did I know when I got out of college? Nothing. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing I was on the football team. Otherwise, I would not have probably graduated. Right. Like I went for college. <laughs> Um, but that's, I mean, that's a whole different subject. I know I, I'm in total agreement of, you know, the doctors, the attorneys, or you have to, yeah, yeah, that's, and, and people are destined to do that. And they, they were five years old or whatever, they're going to be a doctor. That's cool. Go do that. But if not, like we can probably fix some of this problem ourselves. Yeah. I, I'm going to vote that we almost have like an entire podcast on this topic. Maybe we can take a vote on that. I don't Maybe know. we can have some guests because I, <laughs> I'll probably ruffle some feather, feathers there. Uh, um, but I, I do want to say there was some proposed changes that they're going to try to help. Um, so um, college loans, um, I don't know how long ago they started coming with, up with a repayment plan of based on your income. So the federal loans would get set of, okay, this is an income-driven repayment program as in we'll take, and your your requirement to make your payment would be just 10% of your disposable income. Which, would, I, which would make sense for so, a household income. So basically your your 10% of your discretionary income, um, and that is money that's left over after making your mortgage payment, your utilities and, and et cetera. So- I mean, that's a decent chunk of your money when you're talking about your discretional discretional income after all the the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new cap um, they're talking about is just five percent. So they're hoping um, to lower the monthly obligation or monthly commitment for borrowers. That should yeah. give them some breathing room. Well, and then again, hopefully they'll spend money in the economy to keep the economy going. So it's their mm-hmm. way of putting in to future policy to make sure people have disposable income to spend money. Yeah. Yeah. And to make it somebody else's problem in the future. (laughs) And then um, another thing is if you are real low income on that threshold, like I think it's under like 30,000 a year, there'd be no required payments now. And you'd still be current on your loans. But the only problem is, is I haven't really read if um, how it's going to work on that, but usually even though you don't make payments or like during the pandemic where payments were deferred, deferred uh, it's still occurring interest. So yeah, you know, what'll happen is the balance will just keep getting bigger and bigger. So it's kind of a snowball effect there. Well, it's probably they, similar to how you could um, like fill out an application for like a hardship or something like that. Yeah. And they may cap the amount of crude interest. We'll see how that comes down the pipe, but just, I want to keep that out there that they're going to try to do something on the income driven plans of where it'll just be 5% of your disposable versus 10. Mm-hmm. So that should give borrowers some breathing room to be able to all actually have a lifestyle and and spend money in the economy uh, versus majority of it going to student loans. Yeah. And, you know, really, I would love to reiterate that Obviously, that money is going to go back into the economy to some capacity. But if you are listeners of this podcast, we would just really like to see you guys build a foundation for your financial future. Mm -hmm. Now, um, payments have been in deferment. And I've I've worked with a lot of student loan borrowers, a lot of younger entrepreneurs that do have student loan debt. And a lot of them have been deferring their payments and come January, 2023 payments are starting up again. Mm-hmm. And now you've had a bunch of accrued interest over the year or two. So your balances are higher. Yeah. Um, so just want everybody to prepare. And you're not used to that payment again. 
that's going to be a budget item that we have to be prepared for. Yep. Um, so I just want to make sure that if you do get the student loans forgive, forgiven and you have disposable money available, spend it in the right spots, as yeah. like, as you were mentioning. But if you don't have it forgiven and you have payments starting up again, we need to start preparing now. We got three to four months yep. to prepare for that obligation. Um, yeah, starting start, up again. start setting it aside so that you can kind of start to get a feel for what that feels like coming out of your account and setting it aside. Yeah. That you're not surprised when you actually have to take it out. Now, another good question would be is, should I actually pay my student loans off early? Mm-hmm. I get this question quite a bit. And a lot of the younger entrepreneurs are making a lot of cash and have a lot of cash on the sidelines. And what do you do with your liquidity? Do you keep it on the sidelines? Do you pay off debts? And I want to... Um, just kind of emphasize that this is a general rule. It's not specific advice for anybody's particular situation, but I would usually look at this as in what is the current interest rate you're going to be paying on those student loans? I say, if it's, you know, under 6%, you know, we could probably and should keep the cash for um, deploying elsewhere, either in the business or other opportunities. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're, you know, paying higher than a 6% rate of return, then we would have maybe have the conversation of accelerating debt payoff, maybe not fully, or maybe it makes sense to fully pay it off with the cash on on that sidelines. But a lot, a lot of it depends on your liquidity and the amount of interest that you're paying on those loans. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's an, it depends, but essentially what you're saying is that if you have a pretty low interest rate, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay that off early because your interest rate mm-hmm. is so low. Well, like my interest rate was 0.9. I mean, right. I got it 20 years ago, but right. 0.9. I think I was mine was 2%. Other, you could do other things with that cash to have a higher ROI. But right. now if you're paying 6% and you're just hoarding cash and not deploying it elsewhere, then it probably, probably would make sense to pay off the student loans. Yep. Absolutely. Great advice there. So I just want to reiterate, you know, where um, individuals can apply for this. Um, again, this is not final yet, but over the next couple of months, the Department of Education will issue applications. A lot of you, around 20, 25% of you will automatically be um, put into this, but don't depend on that because you don't want to miss it. Um, so if you want to make sure that they have your information up to date on your federal student loan platform, um, go to, you know, the, was it the Department of Education? I, I would um, actually go into the platform that you've been paying or okay. have your loan yeah. information with because they're going to have the information they're going to kick out to you. Yep. And then also keep in mind, I actually asked Sean this question because I'm like, I remember, you know, going to NILNET or whatever. Um, and And Sean, you know, informed me that these are not private or non-federal loans. These are only for the federal federal. programs. Yep. Yep. So, you know, now, now that may be servicing your federal student loan, but you just want to keep track of what kind of, and it'd be a good idea to go look now. Is it a federal loan? Is it a private loan? Like some people just don't know. So check that out. If it's federal and you're under the income limits, um, expect that to be forgiven, but make sure you do the proper protocols and, and get the application done. Yep, absolutely. Great advice there. Well, you guys, I hope that you um, gained a lot of information from this podcast. Like I said, this is not opinion based. We just really enjoy bringing you the facts. We've also paid off our student loans. So we are in the same camp, but we also understand 
as a whole, what this benefit is going to do to, um, you know, our economy. And, you know, we, I think we can all agree that that's also a good thing too. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you in the next one. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you shared this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable. Oh,